On to the devotion today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Um, this pandemic, it, it means a lot of different things. Um, it, it's something unlike anything we've experienced uh, in our lifetimes. Uh, but one thing it definitely is, is an opportunity to share the gospel. The pandemic is, among all the other things that it is, it's an opportunity to share the gospel, um, to proclaim the truth to the world in a new context, in a new circumstance, that God is the creator of all of this, of, of all of creation, that he created it good, and he created mankind in his own image to be close to him and have a relationship with him. But man sinned, and sin unleashed all these consequences, and that's why everything is messed up. That's why we get sick. That's why pandemics strike, as they have throughout human history. Um, that's the problem, and that God sent Jesus Christ to solve that problem. First, by dying for our sins so that we could be forgiven and made right with God. And then second, when he returns, he's going to make all of creation right again. There will be no more pandemics. And those who have trusted in Jesus as their Savior and follow him as their Lord or citizens of this new kingdom, and those who are not, will be cast away from God forever. That's the, the news, that's the truth that we have to share. And I think the pandemic gives us uh, just a fresh opportunity to share it. So the way I want to frame some of what's in this passage today, I won't be able to talk about all of it, is two instructions and one truth to help us share the gospel during the pandemic. Two instructions and one truth. Uh, and then you can dig more out of there as you have time, but I'm going to try to keep this at about 10 to 15 minutes. So instruction number one, don't lose heart. And that comes from verse one. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Um, Paul had plenty of reason to lose heart in his ministry of the gospel, particularly in reference to the Corinthian Christians. Uh, they were rejecting him. Uh, there was a lot of conflict and stress, and not to mention all the suffering that we've already talked about that he had experienced. He absolutely could have lost heart, but he says, we don't, Timothy and I, we keep trucking along. We do not lose heart in our ministry of proclaiming and ministering the gospel. Um, why? why? Why didn't they lose heart? The reason he gives is uh, because they have this ministry by the mercy of God. Now that points back to the paragraph Steve covered yesterday. But the, the general idea is Paul and Timothy recognized that what they deserved was death for the gospel to be veiled to them, for their hearts to remain hardened. And, um, and so they recognized that what they deserved was death, but not only did they not receive the death they deserved, they instead received forgiveness and reconciliation with God. And not only that, they even received the, the great mercy of being entrusted with ministry. They got to go around and share this good news with other people. So they had already won the lottery. They had already were given the golden ticket. I mean, even if it was really difficult and stressful, it's all still a gift. It's all positive for them because 
where they should be is separated from God and spiritually dead. How can we lose heart in gospel ministry if we keep in mind that we are swimming in a pool of God's mercy all the time? We, we are already way better off than we deserve. I have a, a friend that I talk to um, from time to time. He's actually a realtor. He helped us sell our our house in Albemarle a long time ago, and we still kind of keep in touch. He sends me like a Christmas card and stuff like that. And I remember his sort of catchphrase every time I would call him, say, hey, uh, how are you doing? He said, man, I'm better than I deserve. And that's sort of, I think, the idea Paul has here. We don't lose heart because we're doing awesome compared to what we deserve. So instruction number one, as you are trying to share the gospel during the pandemic, don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. Instruction number two, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. That comes from verse two. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So, Paul is either defending himself because the Corinthians thought that he did practice these, these bad ways of ministry. They, it may be that the Corinthians were accusing him of disgraceful, underhanded ways of practicing cunning or craftiness, sneakiness, um, and tampering with God's word. That may be the case because we know they were a little suspicious of him for different reasons. Uh, more likely, he's pointing out that he doesn't act this way in contrast to all the people in the Corinthian church, these so-called super apostles, who did act this way, who, who did mess around with God's word in order to manipulate people and make themselves look more successful in ministry and all that kind of stuff. Paul says, we don't do any of that stuff. All we do is just tell the truth about Jesus. Plain and simple, we point to Jesus Christ and we just say, here's the truth about Jesus. We don't try to make anything happen by being sneaky and controlling and manipulative. We just proclaim the truth of Jesus. That's the only pressure we should feel as Christian ministers. Now, we can feel passionately our desire for people to accept the truth about Jesus during all this, but we should not feel pressure to make them accept the gospel because we can't bring that about, and that's not our job. Our job is to just tell the truth. And for some of you, I hope that you can just feel the pressure just fall off of your shoulders there. Some of you have people that you long to see become Christians, and you've been for years in different ways trying to share the gospel with them, and you don't see progress, you don't see any softening, and and maybe you feel not just the pressure because you love them and are concerned for them, but also maybe you feel like a failure, like perhaps they aren't Christians because you haven't haven't figured out a creative enough way to share the gospel. Well, Paul's, Paul doesn't act that way at all. He just says um, by the, the well, how does he say it? The open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to you. We're straightforward. We're upfront with people, plainly sharing the gospel. Um as we interact with our neighbors, our children, our grandchildren, our friends, siblings, 
in writing, on social media, over the phone, all the ways that we're interacting with people right now as we're discussing the latest news or whatever it is going on, we'll have opportunities to just state truth. It may not be the full gospel. It may be pieces of the gospel puzzle. But when we get the opportunity, we should feel freedom and boldness to just say true things uh, about God, the fact that he is good. Even in the midst of this, God is good. Uh, He is the creator. He is still in control. Uh, True things about mankind. It's it's terrible that that many people are dying because mankind is valuable. Human life is valuable because people are created in God's image. Um, Truths about sin. Uh, that the reason the world is messed up is because of sin. It's not that everybody who contracts coronavirus gets it because of some specific sin in their life. It's that disease exists in the first place because of the fall. Uh, we can share true things about Jesus, especially that he came into this mess in order to save us and make a way out of this mess for us back into the arms of our good and holy and awesome father. Uh, will have opportunities to state the truth. So there's the two instructions. Don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. Uh, and just tell the truth. And then the truth, um, this, this last point, two instructions and one truth. Uh, this is sort of just a fact that the Bible presents, and it's good to keep in mind as we endeavor to share the gospel. Not everyone will be able to see it. Not everyone will be able to see the goodness of the gospel. And that comes from the second half of the passage, verses 3 through 6. Paul says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So he's reaching back up into that paragraph that Steve talked about yesterday and using this veil language. And he's saying, yes, not everybody is able to see the gospel because some their eyes are veiled, and it's those who are perishing who can't see it. In their case, in verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this is, there is a lot to talk about related to this verse that we're not going to get into in in this Um, setting because this is just a devotional time. But ultimately what he's saying is when people reject the plainly stated truth about Jesus Christ, it isn't because of the presentation. It isn't a marketing problem or a design problem or a technique problem. It's a spiritual blindness problem. People don't turn away from the good news of Jesus Christ because we didn't do a good enough job of, of jazzing it up and making it look appealing. They turn away because they can't see it for what it is. They can't see the, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He's, Paul says it a little bit differently as he goes on. In verse 5, he says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. In other words, we're not here trying to put ourselves out there as the product. It's Jesus that's the product. That's what we're holding in front of people. For God, who said, 
let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You can't make the good news of Jesus Christ any more glorious than it is by how you present it. It is inherently glorious. It is inherently attractive. The problem is people have been spiritually blinded by Satan, the God of this world, and they cannot see it unless God himself removes that veil and overcomes it. So all we can do is, is just tell the truth and pray for God to make that, that miracle happen, removing the veil so people can see it. Uh, it. I always try to think of some illustration to to help us understand these things. And um, probably because we just checked this movie out from the library and haven't watched it yet, but it makes me think of Field of Dreams. Again, I like to reference 1990s movies, uh, and usually my church folks haven't seen them, even though they're very popular movies. Um, but I'm going to reference a scene from Field of Dreams, and uh, I've got visual aids back here on my whiteboard. Um, so in Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner hears a voice in the middle of his cornfield. He hears a voice whispering to him to build a baseball field. And so he builds a baseball field, and all these ghost baseball players from history show up to play baseball in this baseball field. Uh, when you say the plot out loud, it sounds kind of crazy. It's a really good movie, though. Uh, but not everyone can see these baseball players like uh, Kevin Costner's character and his family can. So at one part of the movie, one of my favorite parts, uh, Costner and his family are sitting on the stands. And they're watching all these famous old-timey baseball players who are, are ghosts play baseball. And his brother-in-law, played by this guy, Timothy Busfield here, who Meredith thought, I think this will be backwards to you. She walked in here and thought this was a picture of Will Boston. Um, he can't see the uh, baseball player. So he walks right through and interrupts the baseball game. And he's giving them a hard time because they need to uh, stop all this nonsense with this baseball field and get back to um, farming on it so they don't lose their house. Here's uh, a picture of the, the ghost baseball players. But he can't see it. And it doesn't matter how much Kevin Costner and them tell Timothy Busfield about uh, what they're seeing. Until he can see it, he thinks it's nonsense. And through a series of events, spoiler alert, he ends up being able to see them and it changes everything. Uh, but that's kind of the, the scenario here. At some point, Kevin Costner's character just stops even trying to convince Mark, the brother-in-law, that this is true and awesome. He just accepts until he can see it, he's not going to realize how true and awesome it is. And that's how it is with the gospel as well. We keep telling the truth, but it's not our job to make people be able to see the glory of it or try to make it seem more glorious. It is inherently glorious. It's awesome. So there you go. Uh, two instructions and one truth to help us share the gospel during the pandemic. Don't lose heart. Just tell the truth. And remember that not everyone will be able to see it. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us to minister to people. People are uneasy and afraid and anxious. And we have in Jesus Christ the way and the truth and the life, the way to peace that surpasses all understanding. And we need to speak up about it as much as we can.